right, our uh, little ones dismissed. So if you're new with us, the Children's Church um, is for all our little ones up to through fourth grade, right? And you're welcome to find your way downstairs. Yeah, go ahead, Mario. <clears throat> I am going to refrain from making any jokes that have come to mind. <clears throat> Um, there's a veil between what we understand and experience as reality, natural reality, and spiritual reality. And, you know, one of the questions that I had was, you know, why, why are you here today? And uh, I'm going to propose an answer to that question. And the answer to the question, I believe, is because we desire and need and maybe are even a little bit desperate to um, see behind that veil. Uh, and the reason why is because Jesus has the answer to the questions and the problems and the struggles and the difficulties that we're facing in our life. And, and somehow, if, you're, if you weren't forced to be here, <laughs> uh, somehow your heart um, knows that. Uh, believes that, trusts that, and you have come as a response to that need. You, you need to see the reality of Christ, speak to, um, heal, forgive, uh, give an answer somehow to the, the issue that you're facing. Um, and as we exalt Christ, we begin to kind of get pulled out of, you know, that, that toxic self-interest of, of what I want in my life. And, and I begin to uh, reframe it and uh, rephrase it as, okay, what, is, what does God want to do with, with my situation? What can he do? What, what has he said about it? And, and I need the answers to that. And, and part of it is not just information part of it is an experience that that we need to have with Christ that we, we need his powerful uh, peaceful hand to be upon us and uh, we approach worship uh, with that hope um, and oftentimes we uh, walk away from worship wondering if, if what we've done anybody <laughs> feel this way if what we've done is is done justice to that need. You know, I, I sang the songs, I listened to the message, uh, tried to, um, but did it, but here's what happens though. Once in a while, you do get that glimpse, you know, you do get that nudge, that feeling, whatever, something happens and you, you get the confirmation. You ever have that? It's like, oh yeah. I've spent so much time in um, the dark, wondering if all this was for real, and then God just, he just gives you a glimpse behind that veil, and you're charged up for another week, month, year, however long, hoping, and you're hoping that 
next week or even tomorrow or even, you know, for the rest of the day, I'm going to continue to experience that spiritual reality. And so um, let me suggest something. Um, two things. One is that we, we don't get to choose how much, how often, or to what extreme we're going to sense the spiritual reality, okay? Uh, some people are more in tune with it than others. Some of you worship every week, and your heart is on fire, and you sense the Holy Spirit's movement, and some of you uh, rarely feel that, but once in a while, you do feel it. doesn't mean one person's more saved than the other. It's just we don't choose that. Um, but here's the other part, is that we all have the opportunity to exalt Christ, lift his name up because he is worthy, and the more that we do that, um, the more he will meet with you in the way that he chooses. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 5 because what we're really exploring here is the worthiness of Christ, how absolutely worthy he is of our worship. And uh, I don't think that there is another chapter in the whole Bible that gives us a greater picture of his worthiness than Revelation chapter 5. So let's uh, stand as we read God's word this morning. We're We're in Revelation 5. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's not long. It's 14 verses. Revelation 5, beginning in verse 1, says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, this is God, okay, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders... I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took from the scroll, the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you. To take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, 
To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And Lord, we uh, pray that our worship would be every bit as uh, honoring to you, recognizing who you are. Um, you, you deserve every ounce of of energy that we could possibly uh, muster. You deserve every uh, gift that we have to bring, every word that we have to speak, uh, Lord, every thought that we think, Lord, it, it all could easily be directed to you and, and still never be enough, Lord. You are so worthy of everything that we have, everything that we are, and uh, yet you call us your precious Children, sons and daughters of the king, you, you call us your very own, you call us friends, you call us brothers and sisters, and we who were your enemies, you were willing to die to make us your allies, and Lord, we pray that we would, we would live as allies, Lord, of your great name, that we would give you all honor all the time. God, help us to learn how to do that. Help us to peek behind that veil, Lord, as your word gives us insight into it and your spirit gives us uh, confirmation of it. Lord, we pray that our faith would rise up, take hold of the promises, Lord, and make them our own and uh, make you uh, well known in this world. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the reasons why worship is uh, so important is because um, this world uh, does not honor Christ. I mean, it uh, ridicules, mocks, and uh, makes fun of even the idea of Jesus. And, and it's such a contrast to what we experience in our own personal lives every day is the reality of Christ and the worthiness of Christ. And when we come to church, we lift up his name and then we go out into the world and it's, you know, don't, don't talk about Jesus. Um, our enemy wants to silence uh, God's people and wants to silence the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. If we could just bring that spiritual insight that we're so eager for on Sunday morning into our workplace, into our homes, into our schools, um, we might see some things begin to change. When the name of Jesus is spoken and lived in our lives, I mean, it will drive the demons and the darkness away. He has that power. And so, as we begin to walk through Revelation chapter 5, we see, you know, this contrast, okay, between the world and God's plan, who he is. And, and it speaks to us about this through this, this uh, scroll. There's a scroll in heaven. What is it? Uh, it's the title deed to creation, Okay. God has sealed it with seven seals. In, in, in the old Roman um, legal system, 
You know, they would have a scroll, and they would write um, uh, the details on the inside, and they would write the general um, you know, information on the outside. They would seal it with seven seals, and only the heir, uh, it's like a will, only the heir could open it. Only the heir was legally uh, allowed to, worthy of opening um, the title deed to the property. And God says that uh, my son is worthy to inherit everything. And so that's what the scroll is. John's looking at it now. There's nobody found worthy in creation or in heaven. Okay, the heavenly beings, angels, uh, the godly people who've lived uh, on the earth faithfully. Nobody's found worthy. And John is, is weeping, right? Because why? Um, because for God to fulfill his plan for the, for the world, there's going to come uh, judgment. Um, he has to execute the judgment. And, and so Revelation, all of Revelation is now going to be seen through the lens of the picture of opening the seals and the judgments being poured out. But we would look at that as a bad thing. Um, God looks at that as, as a necessary thing um, and a good thing because what's going to happen at the end of the judgment is that uh, sin is done away with and darkness is done away with and rebellion is done away with and, and there's no longer any, any evil, any wickedness, any, any, anything that opposes God that's all been taken care of. Would you agree that that's a good thing? Um, and so John's weeping because he's seeing that nobody's worthy to open the scroll and it means that, that God's plan of redemption is, is in danger of not being concluded or fulfilled. Uh, wickedness is just going to perpetually go on and on and on and on forever. I, that's uh, the most awful fate that uh, can be imagined. And so an elder says, okay, <laughs> dramatic pause here, John. We're just showing you who is worthy. It is the line of the tribe of Judah. Who is Jesus? John sees what? Now, I think he's expecting to see uh, chapter 1 again. The blazing eyes and the radiant face and the feet of bronze and the white robe and the hair that's, you know, white and all that and the sword coming out of his mouth. And I think he's ready for that. And he sees a lamb that looks like it's been slain. And uh, here's an interesting thing about that, a couple of things. One is the, the word is really like a pet lamb. It's kind of funny. Um, and the reality is that in, I don't know how many of you know this. Uh, this was new to me. In Jewish law, uh, for the Passover, the Passover was a very important celebration in uh, Jewish life. They would slay a lamb. They would eat it, you know, together as a family and all that. You probably know about that. Um, but what I didn't know was that they were uh, commanded, they were um, supposed to take the lamb into the house and treat it like a pet for four days before slaying it. Get very familiar with this lamb. But then the image, I mean, he sees something else, right? He sees what? Seven horns, 
and seven eyes. And what he's seeing is not a defenseless lamb. Because horns in Scripture, have you heard this? They, 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 they are the symbol of power. Whenever somebody talks about uh, the Lord has lifted up my horn, what he's, they're saying of my strength. Um, they're talking about power. They're talking about defensibility. When an animal has horns, it can defend itself. Well, this image of seven horns means complete, absolute power. So the lamb who was slain had absolute power to defend himself, to control. He has absolute knowledge. He has absolute ability. There's nothing he cannot do, nothing he does not know, and yet he's willing to be slain. And Jesus says, uh, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly, right? And you say, okay, yeah, I get that. That's, that's Jesus. That's how he is. But here's what the scripture tells us is that that quality, absolute power combined with complete humility makes him worthy to receive worship, honor, and glory, right, and praise. Because he's going to use his power for you. Could have used it for himself, but he, he used his power to bless other people. Let's just pause here for a second and, and take this in and understand the application here to ourselves. I, I don't feel, I don't know about you, I don't feel like I have tons of power. Do you feel like you have a lot of power? <laughs> you feel like you're pretty powerless a lot of times? You look at the things going on in the world and you're like, I can't control it, I can't stop it, I can't do anything about it. It's just rolling forward against my will, but... Power um, is the ability to influence, to have an effect on something. You have power, even if it's a small amount, because you influence people. You influence your home, you influence your workplace, you influence your school, your classroom, your friends, your neighbors, the people you come into contact with. How many of you have been influenced negatively? by somebody's offhanded remark. You get a text message or a Facebook message or a comment on your post or whatever, and it's just like wrecks your day. I mean, it can literally keep you up at night. One person's little critical, sarcastic, or just mean-spirited remark. Anybody ever been there? Or anybody, anybody there right now? <laughs> you walked in the door and somebody said, oh, you look tired. <laughs> I mean, you take that, okay, the, the amount of power, and maybe that's pretty small, but the amount of power that you have to bless somebody is there too. You, you have that ability to Lift people up. So when you combine power with humility, it means that I'm going to use whatever influence I have to bless somebody. 
for their good, not for mine. Not because it's, it's what's best for me, but, but because it's best for them. Then that is character and that creates a, a worthiness. Jesus always acts that way. He's, he's always, he always has the power and he always uses it to bless other people. And we can imitate that in little ways and, and situations where we take the small amount of influence that we have and just help people towards God. Just a step closer. Just to, to encourage them. Um, because as much as people might get on your nerves, God counts them as somehow infinitely valuable. That's not how it works in my economy, okay? That's how it works in his economy. He counts them as infinitely valuable because he gave that which was most precious to him in exchange for the possibility that they would know him. Not even the certainty, just the possibility. And when you and I uh, put our faith in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, I accept. I accept your designation of the value of my life. Isn't that amazing? And so we have that power. So whatever it is, um, influence, you call it uh, resources, gifts, time, um, energy, whatever you have, uh, that's power. Use it to bless somebody else. Okay. He's worthy. <laughs> he, is, he is the one who would lay down his life even though he had infinite power. And so we see three songs here in chapter 5 um, extolling, you know, and, and glorifying him in, in all his worthiness. And so verse 9 says that they sang a new song. Who sang a new song? It's the, the 24 elders, which I believe represents the redeemed, okay? Those who uh, ha are redeemed, either the Old Testament people who looked forward to the cross in faith or the New Testament believers such as ourselves who look back to the cross. Those, God doesn't distinguish those who are redeemed in that sense that we, I think we make a pretty clear distinction. I don't know if God does uh, so much. Could be wrong. But those who are saved because of the blood of Jesus, okay, are worshiping him. The 24 elders are worshiping and glorifying and honoring. And so what do they say? Verse 9, worthy are you to take the scroll, open its seals, for you were slain. So in heaven, Jesus is going to be glorified and worshiped because he was slain. This is an interesting issue that in heaven, the sacrifice that happened at a point in time is always going to be re remembered. Always. They're, they're always going to say, you didn't have to do it, but you did it. Amen? You were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So that's what he did. He's glorified because of, of what he did. And here's the thing is he's also um, glorified because of the results. The results are this. He's made them a kingdom and priests of our, to our God. They shall reign on the earth. So we get the, the kingdom thing, don't we? You, you, you are um, royalty in Christ. 
I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea that, uh, that I am royalty. Do you? Like, is that, like, hard to... I'm a, I'm a king? Really? Prince? Princess? I mean, we're, we're, we're called brothers and sisters with Christ. We will reign with Christ. We'll be seated on His throne. We are already, according to Ephesians, we're already seated in the heavenly places with Him. Like, that's, that's a mind-boggling thing. But here's the other thing. Being a priest is also a high honor. In fact, being a priest may be a higher honor than a king. We don't necessarily look at it that way. I mean, we look at priests as something we probably wouldn't want to be. Anybody? <laughs> like, I can't get married. I can't. Well, I don't Of course, that's... Anyway. The Old Testament priests got married, had kids, and did, you know, the whole thing. But what happens here is that they have this one distinction. A priest, by definition, has the right to approach God. That's the priest. You have the right to approach God. And so the New Testament clarification, designation, and um, understanding, okay, here is that every believer is a priest. You have the authority and the power and the right as somebody who has been washed in the blood of the Lamb to approach God. When the veil was torn, okay, in the temple, when Jesus was crucified, God declared that everyone who will claim Jesus Christ has access. You're a priest. And what that means is you don't need someone else to approach God on your behalf. That's a good thing. doesn't mean that there aren't times when uh, somebody else's strength um, is needed because of your weakness. Sometimes you need to gather some, some prayer warriors around you. That's fine. But don't ever think that you need someone, a pastor or priest or spiritual leader, to go to God for you because you can't. You can and you should go to God yourself. It's, that's that's a, a right that he gave us. Amen? That's... Such a privilege. Now, let me just take it one more step, okay? There are people who do not have the right to go before God because they have not trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That, that is a shocking uh, revelation to our world. Would you agree? Our world would be totally offended by the idea that, that uh, only, only believers in Jesus have the right to go before God and that if, if you're not a, a Christian, then you don't have that right. Would that be offensive to the world? And because the world does not believe that, the world doesn't see any need for Jesus. They, we'll talk about God in general. I believe in God. Oh, I, oh I'm <laughs> even one more step removed from that. I'm spiritual. And uh, here's our wonderful privilege that we can intercede for them. They're, they're not coming into contact with the God of the universe. Whatever they're talking to, 
until they open their heart to Jesus Christ. But you can help get them to a place where they're hearing, willing, accepting of that reality in your prayers because you can go to God. And that's a, that's a weighty responsibility. But that, that's part of being a priest is that there are people that are not priests who don't have the access and they don't have the right and the power and the ability. And so with, with my power in this area, where do I need to apply it more? Praying for believers who have equal access to God? Just okay, not wrong to pray for believers, but really I need to be praying for non-believers. Amen? Just let the Lord speak to you on that issue. I need to be lifting up some family, some friends, some neighbors who they don't know. They cannot know. But I can know for them. So he's given us this wonderful designation where priests, it's a wonderful thing that he did and the, and the results that he got. Amen. Next song is a sevenfold tribute from heaven. Myriads of myriads means um, innumerable. Just you can't count the, 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 the angels that are circling. Can you just imagine, you know, all, all these angels and all their glory and splendor just circling and, and voicing one worship chorus, and it's a sevenfold tribute. Uh, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. He, he deserves all of that. And it's not just lip service that, oh, yes, we want to worship him. But here's what it really is, is uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what it means is that every, um, everything that I have uh, that is of value, I, I need to not just propose to give it to God. I need to actually use it for him. He's worthy to direct my life. He's worthy to, to take ownership of it and, and uh, give me a sense of purpose and how it should be used in terms of family and work and leisure and everything else that I'm doing. He's, he has the plan. And so whatever I have, uh, I need to give it to him, lay it on the altar and say, God, use it for your glory. It's, it's all about you because it came from you and it's for you and, and you can make the most of it and, and whatever you want to do with it, God, I'm, I'm okay with that. And so when they say um, he is worthy to receive, it really does mean like lay down whatever gifts that you have. I mean, we're so blessed with so many people who are willing to serve the Lord with their gifts. Just whatever gifts that they have. You're just willing to, you know, use your gift of music, use your gift of teaching, use your gift of um, administration, use your gift of, of just time and energy to, to work. Yesterday we had um, a bunch of young people and uh, a bunch of adult leaders come out and just, I mean, they went out to different homes in our community and helped them, but they also came to the church and cleaned up a little bit and did some things. I mean, it, not talking about skilled labor necessarily. We're just talking about I'm willing to give what I have. John's laughing. 
you were back there directing some of that unskilled labor, I saw you. I, uh, here's one thing that, just personally how it works for me. I have one thing, willingness. And uh, everything else that comes out of that is, is, has to be um, God's grace, okay? Uh, I, I prepare and I plan and I pray and I, I write and I go over and I think and I pray some more and... Um, and uh, once in a, a while, somebody will, you know, say, you know, good job preaching. And, um, and I, it encourages me, and I, I don't, uh, you know, want to downplay that at all. I appreciate that. Years ago, my pastor, when I was a youth pastor in Leavenworth, he, uh, he told me, he said, people want to compliment you on preaching. So don't try to correct them like, oh, it's all God, and he did that. Just say thanks and move on. Um, but... We know it, it is all God. If it's good, if it's bad, it's me, okay? <laughs> but any, any permanent result, any eternal effect is the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I prayed this prayer this morning. God, I cannot put two intelligible sentences together uh, apart from, from your blessing and your Holy Spirit. That, you just offer what you have to the Lord, and he'll use it. Amen? That's the point. Whatever you have, whatever gift, whatever skill, whatever tr trade, whatever um, opportunity, you just, God, if you'll use it, I'll give it to you. And, and what you'll see is that God will take that, and he will bless other people. And he'll bless you as a result, too. But that's what heaven is saying, is that he deserves all of what we have, our life and every aspect of it, because he can direct it to make it purposeful and meaningful. And then creation actually worships in the third song here. I heard every creature in heaven and earth, under the earth and the sea uh, saying, okay, so what's, what this is is um, hierarchy, okay? And maybe you don't understand this or it doesn't seem right to you, but number one is redeemed human beings are at the top. Then angels. And then creation. And it might, maybe it seems weird that creation is singing a song to the Lord, but I mean, you have all kinds of evidence in Scripture that case. I mean, Jesus if, if people won't uh, give God praise, then, then uh, get it from the rocks. And Paul says in uh, Romans that the earth creation itself grows to be redeemed. 
the authority or the goodness to actually rule this earth like Jesus. Sometimes he's going to put everything right and create his longing for that. You are worthy to come and rule this earth. Every every aspect of of everything that's created, human beings, angels, inanimate things, okay, planets and stars, everything points to the worthiness of Jesus, that he is because of his power and humility. And what that equals is his love for are pictured as an ox. They have an ox face. So, so the ox in the living creatures is actually representative of, of angelic beings. So you have man, you have angels, you have the lion, which is the beast, and then you have the birds, uh, which representative of domesticated um, animals. There's different orders of creation going on here. All it means is everything in creation says yes. That's all it means. Everything in creation says right. Then, okay, start with the demon and end with the demon worship. Let me put it all down next version. Here's the song. You know, things don't necessarily seem to be changing. What's going on here? Well, it, there's a little bit of a difference between doing things that you find to be an obligation and setting Christ apart as Lord in your life and paying special attention to exalting his name and exalting uh, who he is in your life and, and giving him praise and thanking him for the things that, that he's done in your life, thanking him for salvation. If you can't thank him for anything else, okay, like my life is just a horrible nightmare, <laughs> you, you have hope of eternal life. And, and I'm looking around, I don't see anybody whose life is a horrible nightmare because everybody in here um, has something that you could be thanking God for. You know, I was just walking through this list of my own prayers. You know, God, thank you for, I, I still have the use of both hands and both legs. You know, some people are 
struggling because they're, they don't have that. Um, I can see, I can hear, I can smell and taste. I can have, uh, <laughs> if you have nothing else, I mean, you think about just, man, I take that for granted, don't you? I got family. Man, that's, when you lose that, you realize how much of a blessing that was. Thank you, God. I mean, we can pay our bills. You know, all those, you start walking through those things and you just start to say, God, I mean, I don't deserve any of this, but I just give you thanks for all of it. I glorify you. Thank you for, help me to use it for you. Help me to, to remember where it comes from and uh, give you all the praise for that. And, and you start glorifying Jesus and you glorify him Beyond that, I have purpose in my life. I, I actually, my life gets to matter. Not because I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church. I mean, that's a wonderful blessing. But because I'm a believer, it means that I have spiritual significance no matter where I serve or what I do. Same for you. Every human being who knows Jesus Christ has a life that matters, that has the potential to impact another life positively for Christ. There's no greater value that you can add to another person's life than to point to Jesus Christ. with your own family. You, you can make sure that you're, you're getting that right, influencing them for Jesus, but then you start moving out, out from there. But if I can impact anyone positively for Jesus, that's the greatest thing I can possibly do. And so here's what happens. The more you exalt Christ, the more you get a right perspective of life, the more you actually, this is weird, okay, but the more you're in some weird way exalted with all the negative comments, all the people that I'm afraid, don't like me, or, or don't, you know, accept me. To say, <laughs> I find my worth and my value in God, and I can confidently move out, out into the world with peace. I want that more for me and for you. Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. God, you are worthy. Jesus, you are 
the focal point of all creation, everything. Um, that the word of God points to it, it centers around you. You're at the center of the throne and the center of heaven and the center of this earth, Lord, if we would recognize that, you need to be the center of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would recognize, that we would open our hearts to the reality that you can never be glorified too much. You can never be honored more than what you're worth, Lord. You are worth every ounce of our attention, energy, life, breath, strength. Lord, we, we give you all praise. Thank you that your If you have not opened your heart to Jesus Christ, for the first time, if you have not received him for salvation, I invite you. He's inviting you, but I'm inviting you um, as his representative uh, to give your life to him. You can do it where you're at. I'd love to celebrate with you right here at the altar if that decision is yours today. Amen. Let's stand and sing.